wife and thank you praise singers Sister O'Connell because I threw y'all a curveball and I'm bad about that I'm sorry kind of amen but I do give honor to them I give honor to my wife who does not travel with me very often uh, and my children I have four kids one of them just got married and um and that's a whole deal. I've been telling people she ran off and joined the circus. And that's kind of how I feel. Somebody asked me very recently, what is the greatest act of faith that you have ever had or done? And I said, walking my daughter down the middle of an aisle and handing her off to a stranger just because he said he would love her for the rest of her life. And um, I kind of want to, I kind of want to believe that when I see that, <laughs> but because um, it's just been a few months. But I, I have, that's faith. That's faith. We stood at the door, and the wedding coordinator said, "All right, now go." And my daughter tried to, and I didn't go anywhere. She said, "Come on, Dad," and I said, "No, it's a long song." We're going to stand back here for a while. <laughs> I made them all wonder. But then I've got three others. And I've got a dear sweet wife. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 24. I'm thankful to be a part of the family of God. I'm so thankful to be in the church of the living God. Joshua chapter 24. And I want to begin reading with verse 29. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being an hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnah-Serah, which is in Mount Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gaash. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that's, that overlived Joshua, and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. And the bones of Joseph which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem, in a parcel of ground which Jacob bought of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for an hundred pieces of silver. And it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. Go back to verse 29. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua the son of Dun the servant of the Lord died. And then verse 32. And the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem. I want to preach for just a little while this morning on this idea. Where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. Where we've been, where we are, and where we are going. 
Why don't you lay down your Bibles? Take someone close to you by the hand if it's appropriate. Let's raise up those hands toward heaven. One more time, let's begin to praise the Lord. Let's begin to thank Him. Amen. Let's talk to Him. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I surrender myself. I I, I, I take down all of the walls, God. I want you to have your way. I want you to work in me. I surrender my life. I lay down my will. God, I want you at work. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And you can be seated. Thank you for standing. Now, we're, we're looking here in the Word of God. And we have the bones of Joseph. I, I want to start there. These bones of Joseph. Now, Joseph, if you'll remember, if you'll go back, Joseph had been sold by his brothers into Egypt. Or, and, and, and he served there and... And, and he ascended, I'm going to give you the real short Reader's Digest version of, uh, of the story. He ascended to second in command of, is, uh, of, of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. But he said, don't bury my bones in Egypt. Whatever you do, I, I, was, I was sold away and I've been away from home for a long, 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 long time. And I'll probably never get to see home again. I'll never get to go back and I'll I'll never get to see everything that I did. But don't bury me in Egypt. Bury me at home. Now, I have already bought uh, my cemetery lots. And I don't know if anybody, if y'all have anybody here. Whenever my father-in-law passed away at 50 years old, uh, uh, it was just something that we did. That's how we spent our income tax return that year. We And that's not what I had in mind to do with that money, but that's what we did with that money because it was important for me that my wife be buried next to her daddy. And if I didn't buy that piece of land, somebody else might come buy that piece of land. And so I'm going to be buried in Sperry, Oklahoma. It doesn't matter where the Lord takes me. It doesn't matter where the Lord directs me. It doesn't matter if, if I live in Timbuktu whenever, I'm die, whenever I die. They're going to have to fly me back to Sperry, Oklahoma, and they're going to put me in, in a little piece of ground. And my, uh, my, my wife's mother will be there, and then my wife's dad, and then my wife, and then myself. Then my my mom and dad are right at our at my feet, and then my favorite aunt and uncle are going to be right next to my mom and dad. And then over over yonder, just a little bit, I can I can almost see it if in my mind's eye. There's my first pastor. 
Brother Earl Jones, and, and he's right over there, and his, his wife, Sister Frankie Jones, she's going to be there before long. And, and up, uh, up over here, up over my shoulder, there's my, my first two Sunday school teachers, Sister, Sister Orpha Briggs and Sister Ruth Mars. And, and up just a little bit from them over their shoulder, that's, my, that's where my, my, uncle, my Uncle Arthur was, uh, uh, was, is, is buried. My Uncle Arthur, he had a testimony. My Uncle Arthur was a, was a falling down drunk he was he was somebody that that uh, 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 my, my dad said many times on a Monday morning at about five o'clock in the morning they would get a knock at the door and it would be my aunt Lula and my uncle Arthur and they would be standing on the porch and they'd say Ken can we borrow a pair of shoes until Friday because my uncle Arthur, he was a machinist, and he worked he worked very hard, and he put in 50, 60 hours a week, however many hours they told him to work, worked 12 hours, five days a week, and he showed up every Monday morning for his job, and he worked Monday through Friday, but my aunt Lula had to, my great aunt Lula had to show up at, uh, at, at the job site at, at his lunch break, and she had to get his paycheck. And she'd cash it, and then she'd bring it back, and she would give him an allowance, and she wouldn't see him again till late Sunday night or into Monday morning. If she needed him, she knew where to find him. There was a place in downtown Tulsa they called Skid Row. It was where all, where all the bums hung out and, and where everybody that, uh, and she would go down there and he would have next to him a couple of empty bottles of, of Thunderbird or whatever and uh, Aqua Velva if he ran out. And sometimes he'd sell his shoes for another bottle. He would. And so my Aunt, uh, my Aunt Lula would knock on the door and say, uh, uh, Ken, that was my grandpa. Can we borrow a pair of shoes? I'll buy them out of the. I'll buy them on Friday. You know I will. I just need to borrow a pair of shoes, and and that's where I come from. That's the people where I've been. My aunt recently. My aunt died. My my aunt passed away. It was my daddy's twin brother's wife, and uh, I was preaching in Mississippi whenever I got the word. My wife and and family was with me, and uh, my wife. Uh, they they sent the call to my wife, and uh, and then she came and she said, "Your aunt Bobby's passed away." And somebody at the church where I was preaching to, they said, "We're so sorry about your aunt." And, and the only thing I could think to say was, well, she was real mean to my mama most of her life, but we loved her. <laughs> and she, by the way, was an alcoholic too. She was drunk. Now, she lived to be 70 years old. My, my Uncle Arthur, my Uncle Arthur, he, uh, he, he had a testimony, like I said. He's going to be buried just right over the shoulder of my, my he is buried right over the shoulder of my, my first Sunday school teachers. My Uncle Arthur, uh, he walked home on a Sunday morning, not a Monday morning, on a Sunday morning, and he showed up about daybreak, and he went in the house, and he washed himself all up, and he got dressed, and my Aunt Lula was up, and she was cooking breakfast, and she said, he said, said, get all the kids up, we're going to church today. 
got them all dressed, took them all, and he said, we're all going to the altar whenever they give the altar call. And my Uncle Arthur got up that day, and, and, and he, was a, uh, he was a drunk. He was a functioning drunk. Got up out of, out of uh, his chair on the back row whenever the altar call was given, made his way down to an altar. He repented of his sins, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost, and he spoke in tongues for the very first time in his life that morning. And he never would tell why or what it was that he saw or why or what he, what, what he, what he went through that night. Amen. But something scared him so badly that he came to an altar the very next day. Never touched another drop of alcohol. He would, he would shake your hand like this. I remember whenever I was growing up, he was a little, I was just a little kid. I was about 10 years old whenever he passed away, and he seemed to be 150 then. And he would just shake your hand like that. And he would say, praise the Lord. It's so good to see you. It's so good to have you in the house of God today. And then he'd reach in his pocket, and he would give you a stick of carefree sugarless gum. <laughs> and I hated carefree sugarless gum. But it's better than no gum at all. <laughs> and whenever he finally did retire, he he uh, he went down and he said that he he worked that machine until they said we've got to let you go, Arthur. We can't. Our insurance company won't let you work that machine anymore. And he said. Well, there's a broom. Why don't I just sweep up around here? And he worked another five or ten years. He said, I don't know what I'm going to do if you run me off. And so they wouldn't let him run a machine. So he just swept up around the place until finally they said, we can't let you do that anymore either. Go home. So at about 75 years old, he retired. And he would drive down to the local grocery store there in Turley where I'm from and he would sit he would get him a roll of dimes on Monday and he would sit up old grocery stores used to have dog food and cow food cattle and, and things like that all up at the front of the store on pallets and he would sit up there with carefree sugarless gum and, and a roll of dimes and every little kid that walked into the place he would slug that horse mechanical horse up on the front and give them a piece of gum before they left. Every once in a while he'd have dentine but usually it was carefree sugarless. And he never touched it again. You know but but he would he would he never lost sight of where God brought him from. You see where we've been and where we are and where we're going I could tell you lots of more stories about where I've been. My Aunt Barbara, I started to tell you all ago, she passed away very recently. I, I, I said she's mostly mean to my mama, but they asked me to preach the funeral because I am absolutely the only preacher that has ever existed in the whole history of the Oates family. I am the only preacher most of them know. I, in fact, I was up at the, I was up at the, uh, at the funeral home getting the, getting the, uh, the obituary and making sure I had everything all straight and everything right. And I, I walked in to have just a few minutes with her uh, um, there and so I could get my mind straight and I could, and a deputy walked in, <coughs> Tulsa County deputy, 
And he walked in and he said, hi, I'm Deputy Pauly. And I stuck my hand out and I said, I'm Fred Oates. And he said, well, you're preaching the service tomorrow. I said, yes. He said, well, I heard there was an Oates that made a preacher, but I wasn't going to believe it till I saw it. These, this is a wild bunch. Uh, there, there was a bunch of people. There's probably 150 people showed up at the funeral that day. And they gave a, my uncle wanted us to have an open mic. And so they would get up and they would say things. And I thought, oh, no. And you don't want to know some of the things that were said. You don't want to know some of the things that were. It, it just wouldn't be proper and it wouldn't be fitting. I'm glad that it was in a funeral home. The funeral was in a funeral home and not in a church. But, but there were different ones after the funeral that walked up in the line and, and shook my hand. And you could smell alcohol on them. Her own kids were high and they were drunk. They showed Hey, how, how many of y'all ever been to a funeral where they showed a slideshow? They showed a slideshow, and over and over and over, most of the pictures were in bars and 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 and, and while she was drinking and while they were having and and after the slideshow, first time I've ever I've preached a lot of funerals, but but the first time I've ever seen this, they had a video after the slideshow. And it was of my aunt karaokeing Elvira. Really? And then, and her her in a bar, and her granddaughter doing the oom bapas, oom bapas, oom bapas, mow mow. This is where I come from. This is my people. These are the ones I want to be buried by. <laughs> And then after the after that video went over, then she and my Uncle Frank, they had another video of them doing the two-step around a pool table. And they did the two-step around that pool table and around that pool table and around that. And I forget what song was, was being played while they did uh, 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 the, the two-step around that pool table. But then after, at the end of the song, she twerked in front of him, seventy-year-old woman on the video at a at a funeral, and they're showing this. It was the craziest thing you've ever seen in your life. They played in the garden and strawberry wine were the two songs that they played. That's where I've been. I don't know where it is that you've been, and I don't know where it is that your family is from. I don't know what it is that your background is from. I don't know if maybe you've even participated in some of those things that your family uh, 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 was from. But I'm here to tell you if that's your upbringing and that's the people you've been raised around and that's the people you don't have to, that, that doesn't have to be where you are. Just because that's where you've been does not mean that need has to be where you are. And it sure doesn't mean that has to be where you're going let me let me let me read to you just a couple of couple of verses here uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12 uh, let me hush here we are 
Ephesians 2 and 12 tells us that at the time we were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You know what? Whenever I was, whenever I was away from God, before I, before I got the Holy Ghost, before I was baptized in Jesus' name, before I, I surrendered and gave Him my everything, I wasn't, as I wasn't a stranger from the covenants of promise and I had no hope. 1 Corinthians 9, and here's a couple of verses I didn't give the sound man. Uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, I believe it is 9. Well, that's not what I... I'm sorry, that's not what I was looking for. Amen. We were enemies of God. We were at enmity with God. We were far away. We were, we were not a people. We did not have a hope. We were without God in this world. Whenever I was just an oats, like Deputy Polly, he said, I heard there was one of you that made good, but I, he said, I have arrested all of your cousins. I know them all well. And he named off this one and he named off that one and he named off. I, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter if you go to my dad's twin brother. He had five boys and every one of them have got a rap sheet. Three of them, three, one of them's dead. One of them died of AIDS in prison. Uh, three of them live in some old ratty travel trailers behind one of my, uh, uh, one of my uh, uh, uncle's rent houses and the other one lives in the rent house even though it burned out and, and, and he had to put he had to put a blue tarpaulin over the roof and through the house to keep out all of the elements and he just has some kind of, how many of y'all have ever seen a, a 55 gallon drum with a stovepipe uh, welded to the top of it and, and turned into a, a wood burning stove that's the wood that's the fire that he has in that old burned out house that's my uncle's boys. And then whenever you go to my aunt's boys. And then whenever you go to my other uncle's boys. And then you go to my other uncle's uh, girls. There's not one of us. And that's where I'm from. And so whenever whenever a Sunday school uh, bus came by. I am a product of a good Sunday school. If you've ever taught Sunday school. And if you've ever been in Sunday school. If you've ever thought about teaching. Sunday school don't think it's just for not don't think it's just about cookies and Kool-Aid don't think that you're just babysitting while pastor can teach the adults some good things amen you're putting doctrine in those kids you're giving them a hope you're giving them some way to get out of the place where they are amen so that they, when they arrive in the church whenever they're filled with the Holy Ghost whenever they come to God that that can be where they are. And then they can look back about where they've been. First Peter 2 and 9. First Peter 2 and 9 tells us, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation. 
a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In verse 10, which in time past were not a people. Where I been, I was not a people. I was disorganized. I didn't have any hope. I was an enemy of God. But now, now I am a part of something that's bigger than me. Now I were not a people. But now I am a part of a people. How and why? Because I have obtained mercy. Why don't you just raise up your hands? Why don't you just tell the Lord? Why don't you just worship him again? One more time, just tell him again. Tell him again, thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you, God. You see, now the uh, Galatians 5, 19, now are the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, Variance, emulations, wrath, uh, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelries, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Another place in Corinthians back, I I, I had lost my place, but Paul was telling, he goes through that same sort of list. And then he says, and such were some of you. He was talking to people in the church, people that used to be drunkards, people that used to be idolaters, people that used to be involved in witchcraft, people that used to just, you know, I worked with a girl one time at at, at a bank, and you know what we called her? We called her, we called her Proctor Silex because she was just like a blender. Some of them called her Hamilton Beach. Because if it wasn't getting stirred up, amen, and if there was any peace whatsoever on the job, amen, she was trying to walk, 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 run around and she was trying to dig around, trying to find out well, what kind of gossip happened. What happened to you on Friday? Amen. Or she might come around and she might say, you know what? We really don't like him, do we? Look at that blue shirt he's wearing. Who does he think he is? What? Look at that. Look at that. Look at his girl up there. She just thinks she's all of that in a bag of chips, don't she? And then, and then, and then, who do they think they are? And then whenever you say, you know what, I know. You should have seen. Then you start saying, you should have seen how she treated me in Sunday school. She wouldn't even talk to me. And then, after lunch, what's your name? You'll never guess what Maya said about you before lunch today. I'm telling you what. If you only knew. You stay away from Maya, okay? Now, not really. I'm just using that as an example, okay? Maya, she hadn't said nothing about you, okay? But how many of y'all know people like that? 
How many of you, don't raise your hand, have been people like that? How many of you were people like that Friday at work? Uh Uh-oh. That's the works of the flesh. Wrath, strife, always. How many of you all know people, they're not happy unless they're fighting. If they're not fighting, they'll go pick a fight. If they're not, if, if, if there's no fighting going on, they'll go find somebody to fight with. Amen. They'll find a cause. Everything is a hill to plant a flag on. Everything is worth, every hill is worth dying on. Do you know what? Do you know what? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. When, when Joshua went into, went into and crossed the, crossed the River Jordan, They carried Joseph's bones. They carried Joseph's bones into the the Lord had done the same kind of miracle that he did at the Red Sea. And he parted the waters and they spread up and they walked across on dry ground. Now, Joseph's bones, Joseph's bones were not, were not wrapped up in some nasty and just kind of hanging out everywhere and on a stretcher. Joseph's bones were not. And so he had died. He had died 400 years ago. They were not in some pine box that was that was falling apart. No, Joseph had been. Joseph had been the second in command to Pharaoh. I don't know if any of y'all are old enough to remember, but I'm I'm old enough to remember whenever King Tut's uh, uh, gold and his 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 revelry and everything toured the country here in the United States, and there was a gold death mask that went around, and he was not buried just in hay. Just in a, his coffin was solid gold, and it was more, more of a sarcophagus, uh, uh, if you will. Uh, that's not exactly the right word, but a, a sarcophagus is is not just a not just a coffin and not just a tomb, but on the top of it. It's molded and it's shaped, sometimes out of stone, sometimes out of a precious metal, but it's shaped out of the body. Of the man or the woman that's laying inside of it. And that's how Egyptian royalty were buried. They were mummified and then they were put in solid gold sarcophagus. With a death mask. And if it would have been me and I had been Joshua. When when we crossed over the river Jordan. I would have buried him two feet in and six feet down. I would have been, I would have been like they did whenever, whenever Neil Armstrong came off of that ladder and he said, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And the next thing he did was he planted a flag and he said, this belongs to the United States of America. We've, the eagle has landed. That's what I would have done. I would have I would have planted Joseph just as quick as I got in and I would have said we're here y'all watch out which way to Jericho which way to Jericho amen where's your biggest walled city because God's on our side and we're fixing to take the whole thing it's ours that's what I would have done 
But that's not what Joshua did. Joshua carried that symbol of Egypt around with him everywhere he went till his dying day. They didn't dare bury it until Joshua died. They carried it every day because I'm just certain that Joshua every once in a while went into the tent that was the tent that kept Joseph's bones not to glorify and not to not to Glory to Egypt. But just because some days, some days, some days you chase the tail and sometimes the tail chases you. Some days you march around the wall and nothing happens. They marched around there seven days before the wall came down. Some days you march around the wall two times, two days in a row, and nothing happens. Sometimes you march around the wall three days in a row, and the people up on top of the wall start making fun of you. We, 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 they're marching around our wall, and their brains are very small. You're not knocking down our wall. Who do you all think you are? And they just march around the wall again. And I would imagine on those nights Joshua would go in and he'd look at that sarcophagus. You see, Egypt is a type and a shadow of sin. Egypt is a type and a shadow of where we came out of. Egypt is a type and a shadow of where we've been. Amen. That's where Joshua was born. He was born a slave. He was born a slave with an Egyptian taskmaster. He was born to a slave master's whip on his back. He was born to a slave master's expectations. He was born. And he every once in a while, he went in. And he looked it over. And he said, you know what? Today was a tough day in Canaan's land. Today was a tough day. But at least I'm not in Egypt anymore. At least I'm not a slave anymore. At least I've been set free. My, my worst day as a free man is better than my best day as a, as, as a, uh, under the rule of a cruel taskmaster. Let me tell you something, my friend. Amen. Sin is a slave. Sin will hold you captive. Sin will take you into places that are not good for you. Sin will do things to you that will kill you. Sin will do things to you that will take you far, 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 far from the presence of God. Where have you been? If you're in the church, if if you're still back here as a slave, you don't have to be. And such were, were some of you. That's where I was. Oats Oats don't amount to nothing. We are nothing. We are nobody. 
We are, we are on the other side of nobody. If, if my daddy was filled with the Holy Ghost 36 days before he died, but, but, up, but, but 37 days before he died, if you would have opened up a dictionary and you would look up sinner, it would have had his picture in there. My dad drank a pot of coffee and smoked a pack of cigarettes for breakfast every morning that I could remember. And don't talk to him till they're both gone. That's where I came from. That's what I walked out of. Sometimes it's all right. Not to glorify it, not to raise it up, but sometimes it's all right. Because not every day in the church, not every day in the church am I I juking and jiving. Amen. Not every day am I running and bucking. Oh, there's lots of running and bucking. There's lots of juking and jiving. There's lots of swinging from the... Y'all don't even have a chandelier. I guess I could could swing from up here. Amen. Grab a hold of it. I could swing around and, and crawl up the walls and grab bite big chunks out of the ceiling tiles I love Pentecostal worship but Monday and Tuesday sometimes I ain't feeling that way and it's good to go back and remind myself I was a slave I was a slave to sin I, it took me farther away and it made me do things that I so deeply regret. It took me places that I didn't want to go. It, it, it had me bound. It had me, it kept me from a victory. I thought that I was, I thought that I was happy. I thought that I was doing that. But really and truly, really and truly, I didn't know. I didn't, I, I, I knew what I was missing. You see, in that same place where he talks about envyings and murders and drunkards and and revelries, then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Do you know what? Whoever said money can't buy happiness is a liar. I'm always happier whenever I have money. (laughs) Just being real. I don't like being broke. But do you know what money can't buy? Money can't buy joy. Oh, I'm always happy whenever. I bought a, a new pickup a couple of times in my life. And whenever I buy a new pickup, oh, I'm so happy. And then I make the first payment and it all goes away. And I think, what was I thinking? It's how much a month? For how long? Money don't buy joy, but joy that I have from God. That that my world might be falling apart. My world might be going away. Bad, something something it's a it's a it's a and a peace. A peace that that doesn't doesn't make sense. That's the way I like to say it. A peace that surpasses understanding. People in the world will look at you. People at the world will look at you and they'll say, I don't understand how you're so calm, cool, and collected. I would be falling apart if I was going through what you're going through. I don't know what I... And that's an opportunity for you to tell them, oh, but you don't know my Jesus. You don't know. You see, whenever you have the spirit of the Prince of Peace, 
on the inside of you, then you can't help but have peace and joy. I I am not a long-suffering person. I'm not a patient person. I like things done yesterday. I like I I want something but but with the presence of God in my life I can be patient. I'm I'm not always a kind person. I'm not always a self-controlled and self-disciplined person. I'm not a always a meek person. But with the spirit of God on the inside of me that's not those things about where I've been, somebody, somebody, have, have, is there anybody that's German descent in here? Any Germans? You ever lost your temper and said, well, you know, I'm German. I can't help that. That's where you've been. When you get the Holy Ghost, patience is where you are. Long-suffering. And meekness is where you are. I'm, I'm a, I, 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 I'm a, I wear, my people are a bunch of Cherokees and, and Cherokee Indians and Irish, amen. We're a bunch of drunk hotheads. But that's where I've been. That's not where I am. Where I've been, where we are, and where are we going? I'm going to a city whose builder and maker is God. I'm going to the new Jerusalem. I'm going to a place. Let me, let me read to you where we're going as you're standing. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. You see, if you're hanging your hope on this earth, and you're hanging your hope of things that are here, and if you're hanging your hope in things that are now, and if you're hanging your hope in things that have been, one of these days, it's all going away. For the first earth was passed away, and there was no more sea. John, John is preaching this, and he's talking about this, and and. And he's talking about, he says, no more sea. You see, he's on the Isle of Patmos, separated from a shark-infested water all the way around on this island. And he's lonely. And the people of God and everybody and everything that he loves are so far away. And nobody on the island understands him. Nobody on the island loves him. Nobody on the island wants to take care of him. Nobody on the island cares about his worth. Nobody, he's a prisoner on the island. And what separates him from the people he loves is the sea. You might have walked into this place alone. You might have walked into this place separated from anybody that feels like you have any worth. 
you might have walked into this place separated from anybody who loves you. And you walked into this place lonely and dry. John said, on that day, there's no more sea. There's no more sea. There's no more of this thing that separates me from those that I love. And if you will make it past where you've been, and if you'll get in the church where we are, where we are is not 1632 straw floor drive. Where we are is in the church of the living God. Where we are is not physically where you are. But where we are is in the family. And if you'll make it those, the sin, your past, and you'll make it where you've been, how do you do that? You're born again. You repent of your sins. We talked about that before I ever preached. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. And how do you do that? You quit repenting and you start. And you'll feel yourself begin to worship Him. Amen. And you'll just get lost. and You'll begin to speak in a heavenly language as the Spirit gives the utterance. And God will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And, and the, the Spirit of the Prince of Peace will abide in you and give you peace. Then that's where you are. But it just gets better. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from out of heaven. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. There's not, when you, when you finally make it and we get to heaven, we're not going to have to, we can go ahead. You see, that's why, that's why they went ahead and buried Joseph. Because they said Joshua's not going to need him anymore. Because where he's going, where he is now, once he died, he didn't need to be reminded about where he'd been. Because now, now there's no more hard days. Now there's no more tears. Now there's no more crying. Now there's no more pain. Now there's no more sorrow. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper and the city was pure gold like unto clear glass and the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones the first foundation was jasper and the second sapphire and the twelve gates were pearl twelve pearls every several gate of one pearl and the street of the city was pure gold as it were transparent glass and I saw no temple therein for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God. I said, for the glory of God. 
for the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory. I talked about where I've been. But whenever I die, you can bury that old sarcophagus. because I don't need it anymore. I don't need to remind myself about where I've been anymore. Because now I have no need of it. But if that's not where you've been, if that's where you are right now, make, you can make it your past today. You can make the church where you are so that you'll have a hope of where you're going. I want to open up this altar. Let's come up around church. Let's pray. Let's make, in fact, let's just make this whole, this whole sanctuary an altar right now. Why don't we just pray right where we're at? Why don't we just talk to the Lord right where we're at?